Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Freecast. My name is Brian. As always, is with me is Vince. Uh, Zach may be joining us later. <laughs> we don't really know, but he'll, he'll he's here in spirit regardless. Um, and uh, we are going to be talking about the comics that are coming out on November 23rd, 2021. And uh, before we get into the actual books for this week, Vince, we're getting towards the end of the year. There aren't too many new series debuting. I know we have, I believe it's next week now, Justice League Incarnate, uh, you know, starting off. But we'll do a deeper dive into this with Zach on the show towards the end of the year. But generally, how do you feel about DC's 2021 so far? Um... I mean, I, I guess, I guess like I, I compared it earlier, I think to, to, you know, aside from the bat books to DCU, mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of interesting books that are kind of <clears throat> doing their own thing in some ways and, and pretending to be a part of a greater narrative in, in like a very thin fashion. Um, but I think for them, for the most part, they're, they're, cutting their own path and and taking some interesting routes. And a lot of these, a lot of like the established heroes are getting replaced in like a stealth 5g way. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm here for that. Cause I, that, that, that is what I kind of wanted. I, I kind of wanted like, you know, we've talked about this plenty on the show that, that I don't want the older heroes to go away but I want the legacy characters to step in and get elevated. And I feel like that is the way things are trending and I'm excited about that. It's exciting. The thing about comics though, is that everything is like unrealized potential, right? So I could say that every year, I probably said that about 2020 because I saw what was coming on the horizon after death metal. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like every year you're just, you're still waiting for the, the delivery on the promise. Right. Um, yeah. Now the reason I brought this up is because we're, we're beginning our year in review voting at multiversity. So just, I've been thinking about this sort of stuff. And I actually think that this feels a lot like it feels a lot like both right after crisis on infinite earths and also right after <laughs> You okay, fucking, fucking Matt Malikoff, our, our our founder of Multiversity, cast exactly one vote in our year in review this year, and that's for Tom King as best writer. That is oh. just to troll me. That is just to troll me, mm. and I tip my hat to Matthew Malikoff for that. Um, what I was saying was, I feel like this feels a lot like the time right after Crisis and right after Zero Hour, in that I feel like there's just there's this real sense of new and changing and status quos are being messed with. But but both of those events had, I think, bigger stakes than death metal did. Like, it's very strange that this is happening after death metal um, because it just feels like I don't know. I can't remember anything that happened in death metal, really. Like, there, there was no Supergirl dying. There was no... JSA being wiped out. There was no Barry Allen entering the, the the speed force, right? Like there wasn't, I guess Wonder Woman dying was the biggest thing, and that's already over. So I don't know. It just it just feels very strange that this is like the that this is the event that's that feels so momentous because there really wasn't that much momentous stuff that, that happened in it but that stuff seems to be coming out of it. Um, and I think that, that the event is really just like the excuse for writers to do this. It's not like there's necessarily any, uh, like there wasn't an in story reason for all of this. It's just kind of happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all. It just, uh, I was interested in your take on that, but we'll get to the books now. So let's talk about, uh, Aquaman Green Arrow Deep Target number two written by Brandon Thomas illustrated by Ronan Cliquet. Um, the first note I wrote was poor Murray that's the, the pilot guy that gets his neck broken and the last I like scene... to th- I like to think that that's Murray from uh, 
Flight of the Concords. <laughs> uh, so that was our manager, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Brit. Brit. I got a gig. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leggy Blonde. <laughs> Uh, my only note on this book, th- this this issue was not nearly as fun as the first issue. I thought uh, this is a lot of action, but almost no plot to it. And that's fine. I don't need every comic to be a wall of text. I just feel like in a miniseries like this, you have to justify the six or seven issues, whatever it is. And I don't know that this issue really felt all that necessary. There was some fun stuff of like watching the heroes be each other's foil you know like watching watching ollie deal with the problems of arthur and vice versa but it's not like it's totally i don't know this issue fell a little bit short for me what did you think of it yeah i i hate to say it but i I didn't think this was really fun at all and i think like we already talked last time about how the the ronin cliquette art is not really what we wanted from this book necessarily. And I, I think, um, sorry to say, I think it sucks some of the fun out of the book because it's so standard and it's so, it has the effect. So the fact that we're seeing uh, an Ollie and an Arthur that have effectively switched lives would be more fun if they didn't just look pretty much like one another in this. Right. Yes. And it's just so it, it, it has a dulling effect, I think, uh, to the book. And it's unfortunate because I, and I'm not sure what artist could draw this issue of this book and, and, and have it be enjoyable and fun because I do think it is too. It's really vamping. It's really vamping for page space at this point. And I say that as a, as a big fan of Brandon Thomas, but this, this issue, it's like a failed hostage situation on an aircraft. And then the, it cra- crashes on the green arrow Island and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the story. And it's just not, there's no meat on it. You know, I also feel like when the plane was crashing, it was so clear where it was crashing, right? Like this, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that was not a very well-kept surprise. We're going to talk about a well-kept surprise in one of the other books this week. This was not one of those well-kept surprises. It just, yeah. it, it seems very predictable. And, uh, and I feel like there's not even <laughs> that, that is also one of the more boring locales in DC comics. Mm-hmm. So it just, I don't, yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer because I I did uh, again like art aside. I really liked the first issue and I liked the premise behind it. Um, and this issue was just like a fart in the wind. Um, and it, it's too bad. I, the the one really nice thing I can say about it is it does the uh, all star Superman riff on uh, on a memory of his past that Oliver's having. Mm-hmm. Um. And or is it Oliver or was it Arthur? I can't remember now. <laughs> I it was rather it was I think it was Oliver having a vision of his past life, but but in the Aquaman mode. Mm-hmm. I think. Anyway, doesn't matter. The point even is that even that wasn't I think explored enough. Well, no, because they're doing the All Star Superman riff where it's just four widescreen panels, mm-hmm. you know. That and I think, you know, DC has been doing that a lot lately. Like I feel like, like they did it with Crime Syndicate. They did it once or once or twice in in other issues of things. They're doing that scene, that homage, uh, a lot lately. But it hasn't. The effect hasn't worn off on me. That's the <laughs> that, it hasn't. That's the best page in this issue. It's all. It's the best art in the issue. It's the cleanest art. It's the best coloring by uh ulysses areola um the rest of the coloring in the issue is like fine it's like workmanlike but this has like a like a faded sepia tone to it mm-hmm. um that works really well for what it's trying to do i thought that page was great um the rest of the issue is like nothing in comparison to that unfortunately 
Yeah, that's really a bummer. But but that's well said. I I feel like those pages were the most fun pages that we got, or those panels rather, were the most fun that we had in the whole book. And we really shouldn't. Uh... I feel like I feel like we as readers deserve better than just four panels of fun in a in a comic. So, I don't know. Do you think that this is going to... I think we said this last time, but I feel like now we have more data to work with. Do you see any evidence that this will cross over into the Aquaman stuff? No, there's even less evidence in this issue, I feel. <laughs> well, I just mean, there, there's more data, I guess, to, to like... Go, we, we have an extra issue to talk about, Well, it's right? an extra issue, but I but I feel like it's it's obscured that possibility even more is what i'm saying <laughs> sure like, sure yeah yeah i don't I, see it I, I can't imagine it crossing over there and i feel like at this point that's what i'm most interested in in the aquaman books is this aquaman status quo mm-hmm. that's coming that we don't really know anything about it could be lame but it sounds interesting and it's something new with these characters and so i'll i'll be looking forward to it um any other notes on this issue Unfortunately not. I, I have more to say about the other comics we'll talk about today, but <laughs> this was de- this was destined to be a brief one, I think. Yeah, I think you're right about that, unfortunately. All right, well, let's get to one of those other books uh, up for this week, and that will be Checkmate number six, written by Brian Michael Bendis, illustrated by Alex Maleev. So I, I want to start this off with a confession about last week's show, which was that I thought that I had missed in the pages of Justice League the reveal of Lois Lane's brother. So I played it cool like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. That's Lois Lane's brother, of course, (laughs) because I hadn't read Justice League in a few months. But Mm -hmm. now I realize, oh, no, that was in the pages of Checkmate, which I also hadn't read in a few months. And so I apologize for my playing it cool last week. Um, I, I caught up on Checkmate this week. I read issues four, five, and six. And um. I have some complicated thoughts about this series. I don't want to talk about the reveal of who the king is just yet. Um, but before we get into this issue in particular, what do you think of this of this miniseries slash status quo shift for DC? I, is it a status quo shift? <laughs> I, I, I think it is so much as I think they're trying to set up, you know, th- th- this this idea of Ollie being really important to both checkmate and the justice league and this idea of like we've talked about this before all the spy organizations coming together etc etc and i guess talia gold putting herself back at the head of leviathan which is sort of how this all started also so that kind of feels like went through a lot we killed mark shaw just to put her back in the in the big seat yeah it right which is why i don't consider it a a status quo shift you know i I feel like it's just a boy it's almost a it's the equivalent of bendis uh naming tim drake drake and then saying "Ah, i'm sorry i'm (laughs) sorry i'll undo that i'm trying to erase it i don't think he ever said that i think just no he collectively erased it didn't we Yes. Okay. Well, and the and other writers at DC did. Well, yes, exactly. The other the other writers at DC immediately <laughs> said, "Nope, not calling nope. him that." <laughs> that's dumb. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that's what Bendis's ride here at DC has been. I feel like Checkmate. I feel like it was supposed to be the build up to the big Bendis event that is never going to happen. And we've speculated, you know, oh, maybe that's what uh, Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes is going to be. Maybe. But I feel like this was all supposed to be something else and it just didn't work out. And uh, and so instead of Mark Shaw being a, like the, the, the new big bad of DC it's just, it's going to be Talia again because this whole thing didn't work out. And now he's just a stooge. Like it doesn't strike me that that was supposed to be the way it was going to go all along. And, and I could be wrong, but I'm just, I'm just saying what it feels like reading this. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. This, this whole checkmate mini series feels like 
somebody both simultaneously putting all the toys they were using back in the box and sprinkling a couple things out there for a, for a future writer to use or, or for, for a new DC status quo that is more amenable to a writer who is not Bendis taking the reins, meaning like Talia being in the, in the, at the spearhead of this whole thing again, feels a lot like, well, we're just going to set DC back the way it was. And we'll say like, well, now the organization has become something else uh, philosophically, but she's still at the head of it. And now some other writer can, can, if they ever want to use Leviathan again, it's essentially what it always has been. Right. You know, Um, same with, same with checkmate. Checkmate's back, but, you know, Bendis is kind of leaving it like, you know, uh, now they have all the funding. They're officially sanctioned, whatever. If another writer wants to use them, have at it, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know what Bendis's future holds, but this all very much feels to me like um, a guy kind of who came into DC and, and disrupted a couple things, putting that stuff back. So last week we had asked about if we thought the Bendis experiment was a failure. And the more I thought about it, there were two things that Bendis did that I think will live on as the legacy of his run. And one of them sort of happens here, which is I think that his. um, I think that he in a in a real way messed with the Superman line in something that led to good results, even if his stuff wasn't that good. Like, for instance, he aged up John Kent, right? So the fact that we have Son of Kal-El now is in part due to Bendis. And so I think that that will be a good thing. The other thing is, I guess, well, three things. Naomi will be the second thing. And the third thing is, I do think that he brought uh, this sort of spy organizations back into the spotlight. I think that Naomi and um, the Superman line being messed with all of that will continue no matter what. I think the spy thing is the, is the least likely to continue after he's gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's kind of a shame because again, I like this sort of stuff, but that's okay. Um, So this is a really strange this is a really strange issue and a, a strange book in general. I, I I get why they felt like they had to kill Mark Shaw, but I think that Mark Shaw was pretty much the only interesting part of Leviathan in this. And so by killing Mark Shaw, you've killed anything interesting about Leviathan going forward. Like you said, it's just basically a... Uh, a redux of the the earlier version of Leviathan. Now, this has a lot of weird Bendis dialogue in it because, of course, it is. Although this issue has the least amount of that weird Bendis dialogue, but it's definitely yeah. still there. You want to know why? Because it replaces Bendis dialogue with a lot of action that we don't care about <laughs> and can't yeah. even really tell. Again, here's another Bendis comic where I can't even really tell what is happening. At some at certain yes. points. Yes, I agree with that as well. Um, I think it's really weird that Superman was like, it's okay, Guardian. <laughs> I know you were just part of this plot to take down all the heroes of the world, but like it seems like he's like, you know, all right, well, you know, we'll we'll figure out what to do with you. It's not it's not a big deal. I just feel like there's no stakes to this, even though a character died, but it's a character that he brought back died. So it's not like it's I don't know. This just feels very inconsequential. The fact that it was delayed a year doesn't help that situation at all. And the fact that, like you said, it seems in a way like somebody putting the the toys back in the chest. I don't know. This just feels pretty insubstantial to me. Yeah, it's it's the same thing I would say about. um Well, I said it about Justice League the last time we we talked about that, like. Mm -hmm. Bendis writes everything with the same sense of urgency or, or lack of urgency. 
you know, I, I guess would be better, a better way to say that. Like a joke that he makes is exactly as useful to this story as a potentially serious event that happens in it, you know? So like mm-hmm. when something major happens in a Bendis comic these days, there's, there's no weight that it lands with because everything is kind of presented and treated the same way or is undercut by some joke he's making. Yes. Um, I don't know. There, there was one thing I absolutely loved about this. I don't know if we want to talk about it, but yeah, we do want to talk about it, but I I, I want to preface it by saying I could not care less about this (laughs) because of how it was handled. I just thought it was, but I just thought it was a really neat trick that was pulled that and maybe somebody out there did i'm sure you know there's always somebody who guesses something you know there there's how many billion people in this world right um but i didn't see anybody guess the identity of king i didn't either uh why don't you tell us who it is it's commandy here's why i don't care about this because there is no there is no context for this. There is no um, there's no explanation for this. There is no there's nothing. And it just seems to me like the whole point of Commandy is that he's trapped and he's the last boy on earth. And like the whole point of the story is that he is it. He's he is the he's the end of all of this. Right. And so if he can just time travel, that defeats the entire purpose of the character. Eh, I, I see your point, but I, I can't. I mean, this isn't a Watchmen situation. Like, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm glad that it's not overexplained. Like, it's the one thing in this series where people don't, uh, beat it to death with exposition or like r- riff on it. You know, there's not any like riffing going on. It's sure. It's well, because no like, one knows who he is, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and that's the best, that's the best thing about it. Cause the reader does, and it's not treated. It's not treated as anything more than like just a neat trick. And that's what it is. And I like it on that level. I just want to say this is not me saying that this is like a sacred character that can't be used. I don't mean that at all. I just mean like a part of this is also just, you know, horrible flashbacks. Do you remember the last time DC tried to bring Commandy into uh, continuity? Commandy into continuity. No, I don't remember. You don't remember uh, Countdown? Oh, I do remember Countdown. Yes, I, I didn't. I thought maybe there was like a new 52 era no there was a there was a commandy story in something wasn't there well there was the commit there was the commandy challenge yeah that's what i'm thinking of yes the and there was okay and i believe correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't there a commandy story in wednesday comics yes but i don't believe that was continuity no no and then again correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't there a Something in the new 52 where it was, it took place in Commandy's world, but like, sh- like without Commandy. Like, oh, I feel like yeah. Prince, Prince Tufton was in it. I cannot remember what I'm, what I'm thinking of, but, um, was it maybe. actually, was it a convergence thing now that we're saying this? Maybe, maybe. I'm, I'm only vaguely, uh, recommend, uh, recollecting this. So, um, Actually, let me you you vamp, you vamp for a bit while I look something up. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I just felt like this was like one of the things that bothers me about these types of things, these types of developments and stories is I am all for a big surprise and I'm all for something being unexpected and maybe even absurdly unexpected. This just felt totally unearned. And it also felt like there was no indication that like a good mystery has to drop hints for you. Mm -hmm. And I guess his name being King 
created by Jack Kirby, the king of comics. I, I guess that's that's a little bit of a hint. But I just feel like, you know, do you ever, I don't know. Do you, do you ever watch a mystery or read a mystery? And you just feel like there's no way the reader could have figured that out. And if there's no way they could have figured it out, then it's not really a good mystery to me. Yeah, but I, I, I don't need it to be a mystery. I just I need it to be a trick. That's what I that's what I keep calling it a trick because a trick is something a whore does for money. God, or candy <laughs> or cocaine, depending exactly. on which version. On what, I was going to say, depending on which pilot you're watching. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, we're sickos. Yeah. Um, I OK, I found where where what I was thinking of, and it's an issue of OMAC. Oh, of course it was. Of course it was. Yeah. Um, and, and you you make a good point that this it doesn't have to be a story. It can just be a trick. And I suppose that's fine. It just again, it just didn't land with as much authority for me as it did for you. And that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. I I like the idea of there being a checkmate in the DC universe. So I hope that somebody picks up this thread, but I wouldn't be shocked if this is all we get. Yeah. All right, well, let's do this. Let's take a break. And when we return, we may have somebody else with us on the show. So stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We are the hosts of Make Mind Multiversity, a twice monthly podcast. And it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster one. And I'm Elias, the Bendis one. Make Mind Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series, past and present. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior, indeed. Hey, look who we found. We found Zach. Hey, I'm here. I was here the whole time. Yes, he just chose to remain silent. <laughs> I have the right. You do. <laughs> you do have the right to remain silent. Uh, thank you for reminding us all of our constitutional rights. <laughs> set in motion by our founding fathers. Yes. Anyway, we are going to dig back into the comics for this week, starting with Deathstroke Inc. number three. Written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Howard Porter. Zach, they've heard me and Vince talk too much already. So you talk to us about this issue. Libra. (laughs) (laughs) You said it. Oh, so nutty. I love how comics are just become right now. DC is like Zach's greatest hits again <laughs> williamson is doing me a personal favor well they're uh, trying to get you they're trying to get you back uh they are they're trying to get me back they're personally going for me yeah um they they lost you to the the marvelous uh, competition or whatever they what do um, they what do they call marvel they don't the, i oh they're not marvel calls the, DC the distinguished competition yeah i know that yeah. i i thought there was some uh, reciprocation there I don't no, believe D- so. DC never acknowledges anything that Marvel does. Ah, uh, yes, yes, and would certainly never copy them for an entire uh, event in the rebirth landscape, where you know things like the silencer and <laughs> others were introduced. Oh, I was thought that, you were talking was about that in New rebirth, Age. wasn't it? Yeah, was New Age of Heroes in rebirth? When did you think it was? I honestly cannot tell you that that feels that feels like a um, a pocket universe that burst out at some point. Let's see. see. I thought you were talking about how you're the villain was just a dark rain ripoff. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, all right. Without looking, guess when did the new age of heroes begin and end? It, it began in 2017. When did it end? 2000 and it probably would have had to be 2019 because there was, wasn't there like one book that just kept going and wouldn't there, stop? There was, there was. It was, um, that book went 30 issues plus an annual. No. Okay. It was, um, 
It was it. I know it what was it was. The, it was the one good book. It was the Terrifics. It was the Terrifics. Oh, yes, you're right. Okay, okay, okay. I was thinking that there was an, yeah. I I couldn't peg one that went that long. I almost forgot that the Terrifics was even part of that. Um, okay, man. We're, we're, because it's a, it's a small number of books, this week we're gonna play a little game in the middle here, and that's let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There were eight books in the New Age of Heroes, which started in January of 2018 and ended in September of 2020. Mm, okay. Wow. Uh, oh man. I'm so I was wrong about 2017. I, I kind of thought it was like the tail end. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but so okay. there, there were, I said there are, I think I said eight books, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Eight books. Uh, how many can you guys name? We're going to go one at a time here. So Vince name, a, name a new age of heroes book. Uh, Curse of Brimstone. Okay. Zach, that name a, a book. That was a deep pull. Immortal men. Okay, that's uh, again that has uh, half an issue drawn by Jim Lee. Uh, Vince, name a book. The Silencer. Zach, name a book. Sideways. Okay, Vince, name a book. Um, there are three that we haven't mentioned. I'm not counting the terrifics. Because, you're not counting terrifics. No. So you have three more books to go on. And Zach said, "Immortal Men." We have said the Immortal Men, the Curse of Brimstone, the Terrifics, Sideways. And the silencer. Wasn't there one called? I've I've got one. Can I get an extra point? No, uh, Vince is gonna go first. Wasn't uh, there? Wasn't there one called? Wait, did you say sideways already? Yes. yes. Sorry, I can't keep it. That's okay. Um, there's so one wait. you're gonna kick yourself for, and there's two you that are probably the memory hold. Was there one called the unexpected? Yes, that's the one. That's the Steve Orlando Ryan suck one. Yeah, that's the one I remember. <laughs> yeah, th- that's that's a good one. That, that's, the other, okay. that's the second um, best book in that run by far. Okay, give me a second. Um, I have a hint for both. If you guys are running out of steam here. Hold on. No, no. Um, okay, it, there was the one that was the, the Hulk ripoff. Mm-hmm. It was it was crap what was that book called oh it, it was the it's the character that brian likes um, yeah he made us he made us read some issues of that yeah originally. what is his name he's like an adam yep he's the Legacy son of the character. golden age al pratt in the yeah the damage the, the damage yes okay vince last one challengers of the unknown uh judges <laughs> we accept challengers of the unknown uh Technically called New Challengers. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yes, correct. I will. I'll, good job, guys. Good job. Um, <laughs> I only remember that because of Challengers. <laughs> I only remember that because of Challengers Mountain, which we were all jazzed about showing up in uh, one of the, one of the medal. Was that at the end of the original medal? Yeah, uh, yes, I believe yes. so. Yes. And then. The, it showed up again in death metal. Uh, no, well, yes, but I'm I'm talking about the uh, recently the double page spread in the was it Aquaman the Becoming where he's hopping from place to place. Oh yes, yes, yes. Challengers Mountain is one of the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, fun new, stuff. New Age of Heroes. That was a thing. D- uh, do you enjoy the New Age of Heroes, Paul? No. <laughs> no one did. Um, Man, it's wild to think about that this was like the artist-based initiative and how few of these artists stuck around on these books. Yeah. 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 Um, but but back to Deathstroke Inc. I only said one thing and it was Libra, and then we got completely derailed. Um yeah. <laughs> but this book is um it continues to very much not be what I expected it to be. Um, it's so much more bright and colorful than I would expect a Deathstroke book to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm just continuously uh, impressed isn't necessarily the word and amazed isn't. Uh, I, I am taken continuously by just how much Howard Porter's art has shifted from like 90s Howard Porter. Um and this is not a book that I would have pegged him for initially, but I think 
it works for for what it is pretty well and th this issue is just a lot of fun i think vince it's a ton of fun it scratches an itch that that you know i'm the i'm the gem world boy i'm the sort of sorcery boy um so when you do a fantasy story uh like this with howard porter art who like perfectly channels that gem world stuff um and that is not a, a role i would have picked for for porter as an artist and yet i think he knocks it out of the park and who's the colorist on this uh, i meant to look that up before hang on i keep talking yeah. I'll, I'll pull it up anyway uh, high, the, high the, five high five oh wow okay so this is like career work from hi-fi because I'm actually not the biggest hi-fi fan. Same. And I, yeah. I think hi-fi has been on the come up lately because they're, I don't know if we talked about it, but I definitely know that there's been another book recently that I liked the coloring a lot and I checked and saw it was hi-fi and was, and was surprised. So um, interesting. Hi-fi is good. now. <laughs> if they, if they, if, if they are on the come up and they're good now, that's wild because hi-fi has been coloring comics for like 20, 20 years. years yeah. Or, yeah 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 so it's 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 weird to have a late resurgent like resurgence like this but you know maybe we're i'm gonna go off on a tangent here again but maybe that has more to do with the style of the time because like when hi-fi was coming up that was like early 2000s as i recall it or like mid 2000s and when I coloring was really bad in exactly general. in yeah. general yeah. yes we've talked about that on the show before like just really weirdly overly warm uh colors everybody's skin was like pink and like <laughs> yeah it was just it was a weird time for coloring in comics and i just don't know if like since hi-fi came up in that era that was just a, that's just a bad era to be associated with <laughs> maybe that's what it what it was anyway i'm here for good hi-fi this uh this book looks awesome and even when it's outside of the so the it's kind of funny because the fantasy land stuff is piffle right there's nothing really in that section that really advances the the overarching narrative of Deathstroke Inc. too much. It just is there to look good and be fun and for Slade to swing a big sword. And then the stuff outside of that with Juliet Ballantyne and the, the Libra reveal that we saw coming, frankly, um, uh, that stuff advances the narrative and is just, again, like an awesome taking back of the Morrisonian dcu that we've wanted for a long time <laughs> i feel like that's happening all across this line and it's really exciting um so so yeah this was like this was vince snip all around yeah this is excellent um it's interesting how each of the three issues of this book so far have been have been these little bottle stories that really don't connect together beyond them just being deathstroke missions Right. Um, and I think that we've talked a lot about how the title of Deathstroke Incorporated, that that title is supposed to mean something because DC has a history of incorporated titles. Right. Uh, this doesn't feel like what I expected this book to be, as Zach mentioned earlier, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying being along for the ride thus far. Excuse me, I'm yawning. This is not an indication of the company nor the books we read. Um, my, yeah, my, it... I was oh, sorry, Zach. My, my one note on this is just that I hope that this book doesn't take too long to get us to the point where it's where its mission statement is not just in the background of these sort of one off stories. I'm enjoying this for right now. But at a certain point, it's going to be nice to see this story kick into high gear. And I am I am anticipating enjoying that. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, to riff on the Deathstroke Inc. title just a little bit in that it it still it still doesn't feel like the book is living up to that title in any meaningful way. It almost feels like the kind of thing where 
I mean, may, maybe there will be some payoff on it later on, but it it doesn't even necessarily, necessarily feel like a Deathstroke book to me. You, you know, I mean, Deathstroke is in the book, but it, it feels it, like it a Black is, Canary it, book. Yeah, it could be Black Canary ink, honestly, <laughs> um, which is... I wonder if it's just a kind of situation where like the name was there and they wanted to use it despite it not really fitting or if there is actually intentional use of, of making that distinction. Any yeah. guesses on that? I That's that's an interesting question. I, I kind of feel like, I do kind of feel like the, the Deathstroke name is there to sell books. Uh because Deathstroke is a potentially popular character, I suppose, if if like the buzz around the Snyder stuff means anything. <laughs> um, you mean Zack Snyder, not Scott Snyder. Zack, Zack Snyder, of course, yes. Um, and I feel like, you know, okay, the, the name is there to sell books, and then what Williamson really wants to write is what's inside the, the pages. Which I'm fine with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a way more interesting book than like Slade grimly leads a ragtag bunch of whatever, etc. Right. This almost feels like how the Tynion Joker book is really a Jim Gordon book. Mm -hmm. But you know that the Joker name sells. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Um, yeah, I, I, I do want to say that Howard Porter's art is, is like shockingly malleable in the series so far. Not that I would say that he was like the stiffest artist out there, but he's not somebody that I would typically refer to as being somebody whose work like changes too much from book to book. You sort of know what a what a Howard Porter book's going to look like. And this has taken a lot of chances and done something. I think pretty interesting and fun so far in each issue. So I'm definitely here for this. This is, this is a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes in the future. Um, any other comments on Deathstroke Inc. before we move on to our final book of the week? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. So our final book of the week, which is uh, Zach, I know is very excited that he's on the show because he wanted to talk about this book a lot, so I'm going to let him start off again. And that is The Flash, number 776, written by Jeremy Adams, illustrated by Fernando Pissarin. I just want to start off before I let Zach take this away, saying I am not the world's biggest Fernando Pissarin fan, but thank goodness that this is that he's the artist on this book now because it had been a real wasteland in the Flash art category. And this is a, <laughs> this is a market improvement over that even if he's not my favorite. Uh, so Zach, take it away. Well, for, I mean, first of all, this book is an absolute delight and we can, we can talk about the format and what it does and just how fun it is. But I, I want to have a bigger conversation about the things that this book does that work, that I think I think there's an interesting conversation around how some of the things that this book does are potentially like the future for digital comics and things that you can do with an interactive digital comic, but that this comic and the way that it is structured is actually, I think, going to be much less enjoyable reading digitally unless you like go to the trouble of like locking your auto rotation on your device or whatever, or, you know, it on, on one hand, like if you're reading on a computer, it will be unreadable. And, and if you're reading on a tablet, you'll have to take additional links to make it readable. Um, Mine's always locked. That, well, you're the good boy. <laughs> Um, and I'm the guy who physically turned his laptop upside down today. <laughs> yeah. So, so like the thing that this book does, it's, it's, um, it's very similar to the Batman number five, new 52 that we always talk about that has rotating pages and things like that. But um, it is a meta, very meta story wherein Dr. Fate 
acknowledges the reader and brings the reader into the story requiring you to do things to to help the heroes uh in, in their adventure and um it's it's very um it's very childlike in a way um it, it is like a children's book in its execution, but it is also, I think, just immensely charming, even as like an adult reader. I went through and I looked for the for the symbols in the book, which was very hard, actually. It took me a long time to find them. Um, but I, and then, I and then you this. touch this so and then you fun. touch the screen and then I touch the screen in the order and then I turn the page but think about if you actually had a digital comic where you could not progress the story until you found the right pattern of the symbols and you had to touch them in order and then it would move you to the next page ah that's pretty fun imagine imagine a, a story where you did not actually physically turn the page you turned your device sideways and it created the effect that this comic tries to create to continue the story. Sure. I like that more than forcing you to find the symbols and touch them. That's a video game. I don't know. I think that's kind of a fun. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm saying you're, you're not wrong. I'm saying I don't want that. Sure. I'm a grump. I will, I, the comic will progress at my pleasure. God damn it. No, you have to find well then you could just brute. Wait a minute. Force you experience it. pleasure still? <laughs> I'm uh yeah. I'm, it's, I'm it's called it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to take readers behind that comment, Vince every week has been making a joke name on Zoom for us to record, and tonight his display name is <laughs> <laughs> Oh god. You're the one that brought it up. <laughs> that was supposed to be a uh, under the radar, a little treat, not a whatever. It's fine. We hide Easter eggs in the show sometimes. That's an Easter egg no one would have ever found. I, I, I can't believe it. I can do that. <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> the whole show. <laughs> yeah. Make people forget um, download software that can pull it out. Yeah. Make them touch. <laughs> the symbols in the right order to unlock the dialogue. <laughs> no, but what what did you guys think of this issue? I thought it was so fun. I, I one of my my notes was that there are people who are going to say that this does nothing for the book and the story, and those people aren't wrong, but those people are missing the point. And I think comics need more things like this. I do too. This was actually fun to read to me. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, well, compare it to what we talked about earlier in the show with Deep Target. Zach, you weren't here for that, but our big complaint, both of us with Deep Target, was that the, the story of the issue was basically just a plane crash that wasn't uh, delivered to you artistically in a very fun or exciting or interesting way. And yet nonetheless kind of took up pretty much the whole issue. Right. And that was it. That's all mm -hmm. the comic really did. This comic does about the same amount of stuff, right? It's just. It's an to get us. It's to get us into gem world. Exactly. It's an action set piece to get us into gem world, just like deep target was an action set piece to get us to the Island. But here the ride is artistic, fun, interesting, different, you know, it, it engages the reader on a different level. It works a different part of your brain, you know, um, it does something to make up for the fact that it's, not really doing all that much <laughs> to advance the plot, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's great. I loved this. Um, I don't think it's the sort of, you're right, there should be more of this, but I do not think it's the type of thing that you can do all the time, you know? Agreed. Um, 
I don't think you'd want to see this in every DC comic. I don't think you would even want to see it once a week, you know? Um, but definitely I think it would be cool if there was like one book that like this was itch stick, you know, or like if DC had a line or if, if DC did something similar to what Marvel is trying to do with their infinite comics and kind of make novelty digital comics. Yeah. I think this is a much more interesting approach than like what the infinite comics are, even though I was gushing over those like two months ago. Oh, absolutely. Because even like the, so the, the, the Wolverine infinite comics, Mm -hmm. um, like, those did this on a microscopic level, like him falling through that big, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, whatever you want to call it, shaft. Mm-hmm. Like that did a little bit of the like reader guided, you know, the, the the comic guides the reader's eye in a certain way that's different from when you are flipping through a a comic book or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. This is like the evolution of that, and I think like Zach, what you say is true if there was a line where the gimmick is that the comic is interactive or it does certain things, depending on how you manipulate it, you know, like a WarioWare game or something. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. That's I understand that's, that reference. Hey, there you go. That's, that is interesting. That's something new. That's exciting. I, as I said earlier, I don't know if I really want that. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want to have to find symbols and, you really don't want to do, gamify your comics not necessarily maybe a little bit but i think i think for me for my taste that would get old pretty quickly but i do, do you want to do you want to jokerify your comics <laughs> i do i always want to jokerify everything okay um uh but you know what i'm saying like your mileage may vary but that's that is a legitimate evolution of the medium i think in a certain way I don't want comics to all of a sudden become video games or become cartoons. You know, that, that is not what I want. Um, but, you know, to play, to play around with that arena is, is very fun. And this issue did a great job of being different. And I think, I still don't think Passerin is a great flash artist, but I really do like Passerin's art. I have for a while. And I think in this issue, where it's supposed to kind of be uncanny it's supposed to be unsettling when like dr fate points at you or when the flash like Mm -hmm. looks over his shoulder at you and says like hey hey help me out here buddy like Priscerin's art is a little bit uncanny in that way it's a little creepy um it reminds me of like flaming carrot or something where it's like a little bit more detailed than what the it's like a little bit too detailed than what the content of the comic would suggest, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. you know, and that really works in its favor for an uncanny concept like this. So um, I, I really love the effect of this issue. And then the Justice League Dark showing up at the end, it's a little expected, but again, in the context of the issue, that's, that's such a great final page to land on too. Um, yeah, this, this was great. Zach, before you join the show, I asked Vince because I was saying inspired by us starting our year in review stuff, you know, um, how how he thought that DC's year was going thus far. Right. And we were talking about sort of the tone of the line right now. And to me, this is a book that could only have happened right now. I feel like this is the antithesis of what Dan DiDio wanted out of a comic. You know, there there's no real forward momentum there's no real um shocking moment here this is just like a good old fun comic book and i feel like we didn't get a lot of those under didio's reign anytime there was a gimmick like this like you know batman number five or whatever that was always more in service of the story this has a very thin story that's in service of the gimmick yeah yeah i can see that but like at the same time also this feels like this feels I mean it still feels of like the era of infinite frontier or I feel like this maybe could have happened in rebirth with like or even we've talked about how Adams is very like Johnsian and this feels like a a comic 
of the like early mid 2000s era to me in a lot of ways as well not not necessarily in it's like gimmick but in, just in like the feel and the way the characters interact and the the tone of the story it, it feels reminiscent of that era too um this is like it's kind of funny how this flash run feels set apart from really the rest of the dcu to me in a lot of ways um it's just kind of off in its own corner doing these wild and wacky things. And, and I think it is going to, going to be pretty important still, but it still feels a little bit of an underdog. I could see that. Yeah, it does. It does feel like, especially with this issue, it feels like uh, the boss isn't watching, you know, <laughs> it feels like that uh, they're letting Jeremy Adams and, and company do things that wouldn't have been allowed in a flash book previous prior, prior to this, you know, um, as much as Joshua Williamson's run was uh, well-regarded and, and long and kind of prestigious. And, you know, I liked it well enough it was very much a bog standard flash. It was how much standard flash stuff can we cram into a hundred issues or whatever, making sure we kind of touch on almost everything. Um, whereas this is what can we get away with that they would have never put in the previous run of the flash, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. I think I, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier when, when you asked me what, well, like what how i thought dc's 2021 went i think like post deal it's not that they're letting everybody do whatever they want but they're indulging them in these things that i don't think didio is more like buttoned up or very like very initiative driven comics uh, line publishing line would have allowed, you know, Didio allowed for some flexibility, but it was always um, in non mainline books. It was always like these strange little books that you knew were going to get canceled after eight issues. Right. Yeah. It's very strange to see some of the chances that are being taken in mainline titles or with, with, big books ostensibly i think it's encouraging agreed yeah i think so too well all right that does it for this week's books are you ready vince do you want me to give you a minute to find next week's titles i am i'm ready asshole um whoa, whoa. when i when i just spring <laughs> this on you i'm an asshole when i ask you I, if you need a minute i'm an asshole i'm almost always ready for you when when this segment almost comes always please <laughs> uh bat, okay batman annual i'm um, they they're batman they're, they're annual 2021 number ones i'm just gonna say annual okay yes, yes there's a lot of annuals this month batman annual batman fear state omega batman the detective number six detective comics annual gotham city villains anniversary giant featuring your friend and mine danny devito human target number two justice league annual Nightwing annual, Robin annual, Static number five, Superman Son of Kal-El annual, the Joker annual, Wonder Woman annual. Well, I can't wait to talk about Fear State next week because Vince is going to hate it so much. Oh, God, I'm going to. I am I just probably just won't say a lot, I think. <laughs> we all know how I feel about it. Yes. Uh, well, anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. You can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian needs an app and I'm at Wilker Fox based on his uh, zoom username tonight. You don't want to know what Vince is doing on the internet this come week. On, come on. Well, I, I certainly don't. I'll say that anyway. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next week. Go to DC three cast.com for our Patreon and more. Bye.
It's about when Wild Man made Love Explosion on Kanoichi's stomach. 